welcome to the Kingdom Roots podcast with Scott McKnight, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today on the podcast, we have a sermon from Jay Greener and a conversation that follows with Jay and Randy Matthews on patterns of prayer. Do you remember learning to pray? If you're a more recent convert to faith, then you probably do. But if you grew up in the church among the people of God, you were likely praying or at least being encouraged to do so far back in your experience, in the mists of your past. I'm not sure parents still follow this particular uh, path uh, because our young parents today are so educated and high achieving and theological that they're true, true. There's probably something much more literary that they teach their children when they're teaching them to pray. But the prayer I was taught, and also that Susan was taught, and maybe some of you, um, was a bedtime prayer, right? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Now they're diverged at this point. Because Susan, who was nurtured to faith in the bosom of pietistic and grace-filled Methodism, remembers the next lines this way, Thy love keep me through the night and wake me with the morning light. Raised as I was, among those concerned with sin and death, my version went, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Right? Imagine putting thoughts of imminent death into the mind of a three-year-old. I don't blame anyone for that. That was the fashion of our particular Christian tribe that we were a part of. But that's where it started. That's where I was taught to pray at first. Then we were encouraged. I'm saying we as you know, people in, in my group, we, as we grew to learn the art of public and extemporaneous prayer. And the better you were at that, then the better you likely were at living life as a real Christian, right? People who hesitated when called on to pray probably didn't have the Spirit. And those who repeated the word Lord over and over again were guilty of vain repetition, and we knew what Jesus had to say about that. Printed prayers were right out, right? I mean, really. If you had a real relationship with God, you didn't need to read someone else's prayers, for goodness sakes. (laughs) Now I have to admit how much I learned at the feet of older Christians who modeled humble prayer to me, especially at those midweek prayer meetings in our Baptist church. And those who came to me many years later when I was ordained and said, I've been praying for you since you were a child. Some I didn't know at all, hardly at all. But over the years also, I discovered the beauty of written prayers those that believers had prayed for generations, or even those that had been written more recently, the Book of Common Prayer and other collections of prayer drawn from the long story of God's people really helped me, helped me to pray, helped me to pray when I couldn't, uh, helped me to pray better, helped me to pray more consistently, helped me to pray in line with the church's story. Also, because of that, I came to appreciate the various ways of prayer And that there is not one way, there is not one method, there is not one approach that is the final word to prayer. We do not master prayer ever. 
we practice it. And we can become more practiced. And we can go deeper in the practice of it. We don't master it. We don't become experts at prayer. Lent is a good time for us to remember the importance of prayer and perhaps to start some new pathways of prayer in our life. So that's why we're kind of in this a little bit today. We know life, we know prayer is part of the life of the church. Yet it remains mysterious whether we're children or whether we're adults. What is this talking with God stuff all about? This is the last in our three-part series in Lent on the disciplines of the season. Giving, fasting, and prayer. And they're all important to our life of faith as individuals and as a community. And they have the quality of expressing our faith, but also at the same time strengthening it, increasing it. Last week we heard a powerful word on fasting. Um, it's been on my mind, actually, all week long. It's a, it's a topic, fasting, that not a lot has been written on, actually. But with prayer, <laughs> we step into a spiritual practice that has had so much teaching, so much preaching and writing and liturgical development around it for 2,000 years, actually a lot longer than that, that it's hard to know where to begin. I have 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes <laughs> So, um, while it's so good to know that we have so many resources around prayer, um, we're not going to comprehend all that today. We're not going to be able to get our our hands around all of that, simply to say that it's vital to our life. I see our time right now as a word of encouragement during this year, during this Lent, to be reminded that we are called to pray, we're invited to pray, We're, we're urged to pray, And that prayer is a lifeline of hope, of wisdom, of joy, encouragement, comfort, and challenge for each Christian and for the church. And that nothing of real substance and obedience happens without it. Um, Scott, Deacon Scott McKnight last week said that fasting, pretty much as he was looking at the scriptures, is corporate. And he said there's only, there's very rare instances where it's private. Well, prayer is both corporate and private. I mean, we have the, the you know, the whole history of the, the, uh, the life of Israel before God and the sacred assemblies and so on. We have the Psalms that are often very public and corporate prayers. But then we have Jesus' word, when you pray, go in your closet and shut the door. So there's corporate prayer and there's private prayer. And, and so whatever we might say this morning, I think kind of, just fit it into that place wherever it's appropriate. Where, where do we even get the impetus to pray? Where, why even talk about that? Or what, where does that come from? I want to just address that first, because I, I think as humans, we're made to know God. We, we have the image of God in us that, that desires connection and fellowship with its source. To long for relationship with God. And I think people of all backgrounds have this innate ability, at least, not to say desire to pray. To connect to something more real and true and lasting and more powerful than themselves, which is why, um, look at any of the religious traditions, prayer is either the heart of it or a big part of it. In Genesis, in the garden, we had unhindered fellowship with God, didn't we? Intimacy without distance. And then the story of the relationship of God with his people after we departed and left and turned our backs 
is one of wooing and invitation to know and to be known. Finally, in essence, God says, do you think I really, you think I really wanted a set of laws written on stone? No, I have always wanted my law, my ways, my life to be written in your hearts. To have intimacy and true fellowship once again. And the currency of that fellowship is prayer. Heart joined to heart, mind to mind, will to will, vulnerable, open, a deep place of sharing. Christians pray in order to experience intimacy with God and also with others that are praying. That's the first affirmation for us today before anything else we might want to say. This is what God has always desired for us and with us is relationship. The invitations to repent in the scriptures are really invitations uh, not only to certain action, of course, but first and foremost, invitations to prayer. Hosea says this uh, in directing the people to repentance. He says, pray to God and pray this prayer. Say this, take away our sin, receive our confession, you're our last hope. And how does God reply? I will heal their waywardness. I will love them lavishly. The place of agreement and connection is prayer. It is communion with God. It's receptivity. It's love. There's a colic in the, in the prayer book, and I don't, I'm just trying to put my finger on it this morning exactly, but it basically says in prayer, Lord, you're always more willing to hear than we are to pray. God desires relationship and fellowship and intimacy with us. Saint Therese of Lisieux, who was a, a person dedicated to prayer, who, who died at a, at a young age because of tuberculosis, uh, said this about prayer. She was 24 when she died, and she said, for me, prayer is a surge of the heart. It's a simple look toward heaven. It's a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. We know it was the custom of Jesus to head into a solitary place to pray, even before daybreak. And why? Why do that? Well, to commune with the Father. To enter fellowship. To know the love and presence of the divine life in the midst of his earthly mission. And that's how he was able to carry out his task in the wilderness that we echo in this season, in his teaching, in healings, in calling people to follow, and even, perhaps especially, in walking the way to the cross. It was communion with God. It was prayer. So first and foremost, before anything else, prayer is fellowship, intimacy, communion with God is worship. Hallowed be your name. But prayer is also, within the context of that intimacy, a place where we can bring petitions, and where we're encouraged to do that. We can ask. We can make requests. We can pour out our hearts to God. First Peter says, cast all your care on him, for he cares for you. In James, uh, what we read this morning, we're told to pray for specific needs, for those who are in trouble, for those who need healing, for the faith of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Jesus says, pray that God's kingdom will come. Pray for daily needs. Pray to forgive. Pray to be spared temptation and sin. 
If it's a concern for us, it's a concern for the Father. His heart is turned toward us, and so we can bring that in prayer. We pray for our own needs. We pray for others. We pray for the places of need in the world. And I think most of us understand this kind of praying, right? This is very familiar to us. And we practice it both corporately, together, and privately. And it's an important part of the life of prayer for the Christian. Um, The question comes up, does prayer change God's mind then? Um, I'm going to kind of kick that can to the theologians among us for some later review. But I, I, think, um, I think this is a, an area of mystery. And yet we're, we're told to bring our requests to God. I think prayer does, can change situations. And I think when we pray according to the will of God, then what we're praying is, Lord, do what you're going to do. If we're praying for healing, that's a good thing. That's something God desires. Are we changing God's mind or are we saying we want to participate with you in this good that you desire to do? I think that's, I think that's a big part of that. So let us bring our request to God in trust. Do you know, prayer is not just words and ideas and thoughts to God. It's also listening. Prayer is listening. It's about having our own hearts changed so that we might become aligned with the heart and the purposes of God. This is prayer that gives attention to the voice of the Spirit, that orients us to the kingdom of God and seeks its presence in the world and in our own lives. And I I think we spend so much time in prayer telling God what we want or what we think God should do or be good to happen or pleading for God's intervention. Help, that's shortest prayer. That actually is a prayer, by the way, help. Uh, But we do so much talking to God, we can forget that prayer is a conversation. Um, And I think in our wordy tradition especially, uh, we're not as strong on this. We're not as strong as silence. We're not as strong in listening. We're not, we're just just not. I'm not. I remember a retreat that I did a few days at a monastery of the Holy Spirit in Conyers, Georgia, which is a Trappist monastery, which already is quiet. And the first prayer gathering of the day is is law. It's at 4.30 in the morning. And it's dark. And so they ring a bell, and, you know, everyone goes to the chapel. The chapel's pretty, it's not lit very well, very much. And there's some readings, there's psalms, a couple psalms that are chanted, some prayers. And then there is a 30-minute period of silent prayer. And they turn the lights out. Well, you know what I did? I fell asleep. (laughs) And, of course, I think sleep can be actually a prayer uh, when we need it. Too as well, but um, yeah, that sounds like I'm rationalizing that one. Um, we're not really trained, most of us, in in that, that listening prayer, right? We want to talk, and that's that's okay. But let's not forget that we can listen. We can be silent. We can open ourselves to change. Prayer is as much about personal transformation of the prayer as it is about seeking God's action and response in some external situation. I think this is actually what we see going on in Jeremiah today. It's just kind of a funny passage to pick for uh, prayer, but I picked it, so that's that's why it's there. But God tells the exiles to seek good in the situation that they find themselves and to pray for it. 
He's not changing the situation. And he gives some instructions. Pray, but also some stuff that they're to do. I mean, think about it. They've been carted off to captivity. They're losers, right? In that sense, they're spoils of war. They're in the last place that they want to be, and they hate it. And all they think about is, we've got to get back to our land. We've got to get back to our temple, which who knows if it's even there. We've got to get back to the, the place that we know, our home. It's all about home. We were promised land, and now we're not, we're not in it. And God says, start praying. Start praying for the people around you. Those that captured you. Build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens. Increase in number. This is going to take a while, is what he says. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city around you. Pray for it. This is really about the people of God being changed, isn't it? In other words, stop Stop praying to get back. Pray to be where you are, is what, is what God is saying, and do these things. That's a powerful, you know, being changed through our prayers, a powerful outcome of our prayers. When we're open to God's work and we're willing to listen, we can be changed in prayer. Soren Kierkegaard observed that the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. And Henri Nouwen has a similar insight. He says this, the real work of prayer is to become silent and listen to the voice that says good things. To gently push aside and silence the many voices that question my goodness and to trust that I will hear the voice of blessing. That demands real effort. I have a pastor friend who said during Lent he's been fasting on Thursdays the whole day. And the very first time he did this, uh, you know, he's, and he's setting aside time for prayer. Sometimes you fast and you're doing other things, but he said, no, he just had a couple of hours. And he went into this place of, of prayer and fasting to hear God, to listen to God's voice. And what he expected to hear was, you've not done this very well. You blew this. You didn't do this too good. You're not too good at that. That's what he expected. He was ready for it. It's like Lent, you know, that's what I'm going to hear. He said, instead, he said, I, God took me through my life and all the blessing. God said to me, you've been faithful. You're so special to me. See, we need to hear the voice of God. I think sometimes we don't want to listen because we're afraid it's going to, like, knock us down. There are, there are those moments. But there's also the, the affirmation, the voice of God that is the voice of mercy and blessing and grace as we heard about in Court 9 today. One other thing about prayer that I just want to underline today is that prayer is not a substitute for doing what we know we ought to do. Right? You need to do this. Oh, I'll go pray. <laughs> now, we can pray for the strength to do it, such as forgiveness. We can pray for the strength to forgive. We can Pray for the Lord's blessing in our forgiving. We can pray that when we offer forgiveness to someone, that it'll be received. But we don't have to pray, Lord, should I forgive this person? Right? And sometimes we'll, you know, it's sort of like we get that answer, Lord, should I forgive this person? Uh, is there anybody else up there I can talk to? You know, it's like 
We don't quite get the answer we want. We should not be praying for God to meet a need when he's put the ability to meet the need in our hands. Right? Certainly, prayer should accompany all of our actions in serving God and seeking his kingdom in the world. But sometimes we just need to do what is clear to be done, especially when we have the resources that are, need, that are needed. When someone comes to me and they're hungry and I have food, for me to say, I'll pray about that for you. I don't need to pray about that. I have that. I can give that. It was Frederick Douglass who said, I prayed for freedom for 20 years, but I received no answer until I prayed with my legs. Prayer can lead us to the place of action. But once we get to that place of clarity, then we need to act. Remember Bishop John Ruchahana, for those of you who don't know, Rwandan bishop who was really with us at the beginning of Redeemer 20 years ago, he shared with me about this in talking about his role in establishing the Anglican Mission in America, which was the initial group that sort of has paved the way for the Anglican Church in North America that we have today, that we're part of. And he said to me, he said, if you see a house on fire and people in it, you don't stop to say, Lord, should I help those people? You do what you can do. So prayer makes us ready to respond, but often leads us to act. It helps us to be ready to act when that situation is in front of us. So those were a few things today, but I I wanted to get some more insight. I wanted to get some more practical help uh, today. So I've asked someone to join uh, with me, and that's uh, Reverend Randy Matthews. So Randy, if you would come, and I've got a chair for you just to make it a little more comfortable for you. And we're going to have a little conversation about about prayer. Good. Thank you. This is this is for you. Just hold hold it up close. Yep, that's good. Anybody hear me? We on? Just crank it up a little bit. So we try again. We good? Okay. Yep. This is much better. Okay. Good. So. Randy, you, you were a pastor for many years and missionary. I was. And can you give us a little story of that, where you served, how long, and um, just that kind of context for your ministry? Well, briefly, after seminary, I spent six years in Riverton, Wyoming, as the pastor of the First Baptist Church. And then in 1962, my wife and I, Alice and I, and our four children, we made application to our mission agency to serve overseas. And so went over to France, where I spent 10 years in Paris in church planting. Mm-hmm. And then in 1973, I moved on to beautiful Vienna, Austria, and spent seven wonderful years in the International Chapel mm-hmm. as the mm-hmm. pastor and ministered to people from all over the world. Yeah. So it was a great experience. That's great. Now, I know that you have a heart for prayer, and you're on our prayer team. Yes, but also as a pastor, you've led people in prayer, and how to how to pray. And um, I'm I'm just curious what your own pattern of prayer looks like. And I'm going to have you turn just a little bit this way so people over there can see. So they can they can see me, and I can see you eye to eye. Yeah, (laughs) nose to nose. Well, the pattern is very uh, you know has varied from year to year, Mm. and I think the older I have gotten, it has changed somewhat as well. And but my my present pattern is uh, to uh, 
to read a devotional part mm -hmm. in some book or magazine, mm -hmm. and then I'm presently using the little uh, Lenten uh, brochure magazine mm -hmm. that Henry Nowen has furnished us, and I use that, mm -hmm. and then use the Tyndale method of reading through the scriptures once a year, mm. and an Old Testament reading, uh, a New Testament reading, the Psalms and Proverbs, and I, I go through that every year. So that basically is okay. what I'm using at the present. Yeah, that's great. Now, when you were pastoring, how did you encourage the people that you were leading? How did you encourage them to pray? What sorts of things? were Well, I think we had sort of a built-in method, and this is sort of a maybe a, an easy way out of it. But it wasn't really, but in our Baptist tradition, we had a prayer meeting every Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. And so it was very easy to encourage people to come, and they came, and we taught on prayer. And then, of course, we prayed. And we were very, uh, you know, encouraging to our congregation uh, to pray very openly and fervently and and transparently. And so I think that's really when we taught people how to pray. I think, I think praying is taught by example. Mm -hmm. And listening to the saints of God, people who have lived much longer than I as a young pastor, and listening to them in their heart as they prayed conscientiously and fervently and faithfully mm -hmm. for the ministry of our church mm -hmm. and for our mission program all over the world. Mm -hmm. Then this, this really was what we did to teach our people how to pray. So I think that simply is what we did. Yeah, that's great. So most, you know, most of us are really busy. So prayer can get kind of pushed to the side in our, in our really daily routine, very busy life is, is how do we do, how do we include it? I mean, what are, what are, are there any tricks or any ideas about that that you helped people with over the years? Yeah, I think with myself, I had to be intentional. I think you have to decide, yes, this is important to me. This is important to the kingdom of God. And I'm going to make a commitment to include prayer time in my life. It may mean getting up earlier in the morning. It could be uh, uh, finding some other time before I went to bed. Uh, I think it varies from person to person. It's just how we were made. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think there's any real format mm -hmm. that we should, uh, you know, impinge upon people mm -hmm. and say, this is what must be done mm -hmm. or how it should be done. Mm -hmm. I think it has to be wide open. Mm. And whatever fits your life, your biorhythms, how you function, whether you're more awake in the morning or whether it's more convenient for you at night. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think it's wrong, of course, to say this is the way it should be done okay. and you must do it this way or you are fading in your Christian life mm -hmm. because I don't believe that. Okay. I believe it can be any time. And it can be... The thing that, too, I think can be spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't have it. I have a particular time, uh, a designated time, that I use for prayer. But at the same time, I think I can pray any time during the day and night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. There, there are a lot of resources available now. I mean, I have an app that I use that I can pray along with and helps me a little bit. It's a 
daily prayer from uh, from England, but there are a lot of things now that people can can tap it as, as we're on the fly. I, I am curious if there have been times over your life where you could not pray. And then what did you do? I thought you might ask me a question like that. <laughs> if I'm strictly honest, and I want to be honest this morning, of course there have been many times mm. when I have felt like a failure. Mm. Uh, I, I, I really... Uh, have come to believe, though, in my old age, that I, I have to be careful and we shouldn't beat ourselves up because we slip, we fail. Uh, I think we're human beings, we are, yeah. and we're sinners saved by grace. And I think we have to say, look, Lord, I fell on my face, I got bummed up, but forgive me and pick up the pieces and go on. And uh, simply say that, really, God, here again is the grace of God. Mm. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Mm. And uh, grace is greater than all of our sin, the old hymn says. Right. And I think this is what we need to say. We need to be positive about those times in our life when we have not felt like praying. Because there have been times in my life when I have gone through a very dry season in my life and I, I don't think you're going to escape that and I think it would be wrong to instruct your people or anyone it's all you know roses it's all <laughs> success yeah. it isn't there there is a warfare that goes on mm -hmm. and we are a part of it and yeah. we need to face the fact that there are going to be those times when it's very difficult not fun it's just something we cannot do and I think that, too, at those times, maybe the possibility of saying to a dear friend, would you pray for me? Mm -hmm. Would you pray with me? Mm -hmm. Encourage me? Mm -hmm. And um, I want to get back on track again. So anyway. Yeah, no, that, that's, I appreciate that. And that, that's the value of us coming together like this, that we can carry one another with right. prayers. Exactly. Um, I, I just, I think I'm just asking you to pray for us. I think that's what I'd like to do, okay? Father, it's a joy to be a part of this fellowship. And I say it with all sincerity, with truth and uh, conviction, that it's just been a, been a joy to be a part of Redeemer Fellowship. And both Alice and I have felt so many times the blessing of God's people upon our lives and just the encouragement you folks have been to me and to us. And Lord, we're thankful for the family of God, thankful for the pastoral leadership of this church. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love and your care for us, for the wonderful things that you are doing and will do for the ministry of Redeemer Church. And so Lord, help us, our Father, to be faithful and to be... Uh, to be consistent in our prayer life. And then, Father, if we do fail, to just simply ask your forgiveness and pick up the pieces and go on. Yes. Lord, thank you again for this time this morning when we can share our hearts with people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.